Hello, my name is Mark Taylor and welcome to the Education on Fire podcast. The place for creative and inspiring learning from around the world. Listen to teachers, parents and mentors share how they are supporting children to live their best authentic life and are proving to be a guiding light to us all. Hello, welcome. Thank you so much for choosing to spend some time with us here again on the Education on Fire podcast. Today we're talking about autism and I'm delighted to be chatting to Caitlin Sweetapple and she's been working with students on the autism spectrum for over 10 years and she's one of the founding teachers and now the Director of Education at Shrub Oak International School. Her mission has been simple, to foster positive relationships with students in order to leave them into a lifetime of learning and success. Their aim is to help students form positive relationships through individualised strength-based and passion-based learning and equip them with the tools they need to develop friendships, navigate their communities and maximise their potential. Their singular focus is each student's success and happiness. As we go through this interview, you'll hear the child-first, child-centred idea is a really, really important one. And that's really struck a chord with me because obviously our sponsor is the National Association for Primary Education. And their whole aim from supporting children from birth to 13 is to have that child-centred, that child-focused idea at the heart of everything that we do. So so if you'd like to find out more about NAEP, please do just go and search for naep.org.uk. But this is my interview with Caitlin Sweetapple from the Shrub Oak International School. Hi, Caitlin. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. So let's start exactly with the school. Tell us where it is and exactly what its remit is and, and your position in it. Sure. So Shrub Oak International School is in northern Westchester. Uh, we're in Mohegan Lake, New York, and we are a co-ed autism boarding school. So we are... Um, we are based out of Northern Westchester, but we service students from all over the United States as well as internationally. So we currently have students internationally, and then we have students who come as far from California, Washington State, Colorado, and we're based. We have a bunch of different programs. So basically, we have what's called our core program, um, which is split up into two different programs. It's our diploma bound program and our skills and achievement program. Um, And the way that that works is our diploma bound program are students who are seeking a high school diploma um, to go towards some sort of post-secondary education. Um, And then the other half of our core program is our skills and achievement program, um, who are working on more life skills, um, vocational skills out in the community doing internships, really working towards the highest level of independence possible um, post-secondary. And then we have what's called our Founders Program, um, which is our students who require one-to-one support at all times, um, and we provide them with that. And they require assistance in communication, sensory integration, activities of daily living, life skills, um, and they are, they are all given that level of support. Um, and then we also have an elementary program, which works with students from every end of the spectrum. Um, typically, we have students from about eight years old till 13 years old. Um, and then when students turn 14, they go right into our core program. And the way that that works is our elementary program, um, like I said, it's students from all over the spectrum who are are really met where they are. Um, So if they need a little bit more support in communication or sensory integration, they're given that level of support. Um, If they need more higher level academic support, they are given that support. Um, And then we have pretty much all of the students in our elementary program 
are really focusing on uh, communication skills, uh, social skills. So they're, they're also given that level of support as well. And then we also have a post-secondary program. So we do work with students post-21 up until the age of 30. Um, and that focus is with our transition coordinators and really working on what do you see yourself doing post-21? Do you want to work in a bakery? Do you want to go to some level of post-secondary education, but you're not necessarily ready and need a little bit more support before you do that? So we have a bunch of different programs on campus. Um, and then in saying that, we have a day program and a residential program. So we do have students who come from locally who uh, participate in our day program, but then we also have students like I said, internationally and nationally who are in our residential program. And that program is open 365 days a year, 24-7. Um, so it's constantly running right now. It's currently running during this COVID crisis. So um, we have a lot of opportunities on campus to meet the needs of students on the autism spectrum. And really what a lot of our focus is on is building relationships. Um, we have a lot of students who have come from different schooling programs that really haven't been able to meet their needs um, and really haven't focused on child first. Um, and that's really where a lot of our focus is on. When a student first comes onto campus, we get to know things that they like, uh, things that they don't like, what kind of things really really engage them and pull them in. Um, and then and then we really go with that. We tailor their curriculum around that. We tailor our relationships around that. We tailor their after school activities and their weekend activities around really what they're interested in and what helps them get engaged. Um, and it's it's really, really a neat, a neat program, definitely. I mean, it, it sounds like I wish almost every school started from that child first sort of child-centered philosophy because absolutely you know it, 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 I think every every person in the world needs that especially as they're growing up and and it, I think to, to sort of to hear that is is, is the beginning point of everything is really music to, to my ears and I'm sure for many many people listening and with, with so much attention to each individual person is it a really is it a large amount of staff and and how many people do you actually have there studying yeah, so we are a two-to-one program, um, and then some students require one-to-one. -one. So we have a really high-level uh, student-to-staff ratio. Um, we currently have 34 students, and it's about half and half. We have half our students who are day students, half our students who are residential, um, and really growing every month. Uh, we are actually only in year two of being open, um, so we're we're growing strong and steady, and um it's it's definitely a, a very neat program. I've worked in a few other programs before coming to Shrub Oak um, that also worked with students on the autism spectrum. And it's just really neat to see, like you said, that child first, uh, really focusing on relationships and, and really tailoring and meeting the individual needs of each kid that walks on campus. Yeah, and I guess that's the thing. When you're starting, like you say, new out the gate and, and with a fresh focus of exactly what you want to achieve, um, it really gives you gives you that ability to kind of say okay you know where where do we begin what are the most important things and 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 so just give us a little bit of your background in terms of, of like you say your other experiences in different schools and, and exactly the sorts of experiences you have working with autism yeah so I actually started uh, believe it or not I started as a physical education teacher um, so I went to school for physical education and shortly after starting my um student teaching program, I became really drawn to working with students on the autism spectrum. Um, it, it really was just a passion of mine. So shortly after um, starting as a physical education teacher, I moved over to adapted physical education, and I haven't really turned back 
from special education since. Um, so I've worked in, in a bunch of different programs um, related to working with students on the autism spectrum and also students with disabilities just in general. And mostly in the New York area, um, I did do a short stint internationally in uh, Belgium and Ireland and worked at a few schools there um, while I was receiving my master's. So it's been, um, it's been a really nice journey. And I really think that this journey has really taken me to Shrub Oak on purpose um, because all the things I've learned, worked in a bunch of different methodologies and all the, all the things I've learned kind of across along the way has really helped me to sort of build the program at Shrub Oak and, and make it what it needs to be, really individualized towards each student. I think even as programs grow, I, I do think that that uh, ability to tailor the needs towards every single kid is possible and should continue to happen regardless of how large a program grows. So it's been a really neat opportunity for me to get not only get to know the students, but get to know the families and, and really meet the needs of these students, of these families, and also do something that hasn't really been done before. Yeah, and that was something I was thinking of. I mean, take us a little bit into into the program in terms of what you do in each aspect that you discussed before, but also what it is that you think you're able to deliver and, and support the children with, which maybe they don't get even in other specialist schools or, or certainly within the mainstream anyway. Yeah, absolutely. So Basically, the way it works, before a student even walks onto campus, um, we plan their entire program. And that's not just in the education department. That's also from our clinical department and our campus life program. So we are a transdisciplinary program. So we work very closely. All three departments work very, very closely together to make sure that goals and objectives of each student are being met across the board. So if a student has a certain goal in communication through their speech and language pathologist, that's not just being worked on in their speech session. That's being worked on in every one of their academic classes. That's being worked on after school or when they're out in the community after school on weekends. So every staff member is really in conjunction working together towards those students' specific goals um, really as as a collective unit. So that's something that I haven't really necessarily seen before in my previous settings. Um, and it's it's really great because you are in constant communication with each other. So if a student went out bowling the night before um, and had a really, really great interaction with a staff member or um, was able to really integrate their senses in a different way that hasn't that we haven't seen before, the staff that are on during the day are able to find out about that and then recreate that during the day as well. And then our clinical staff are able to offer suggestions about how to help things for next time. So that's really what um, our program is all about. It's really about working in conjunction with each other as staff to help meet those students' needs. So um, I think in, uh, this is actually my first experience working in a residential program, um, but from different experiences that I've heard from colleagues, often the education program and the residential program is completely separate entities. And I think at Shrub Oak, there's a really, really nice overflow. We actually have staff that work in both the education department and our campus life program. So they're constantly working with students and in that same sort of model and keeping the students, keeping the staff up to date as far as goals and objectives that are being worked on um, and it's it's really really neat to see it sounds amazing and I, I guess that I'm probably going to answer my own question here but um, no worries. I, I, I guess it's the fact that you, you you have the ratio of staff that you need in order to support everybody because I was just thinking that you know across the spectrum everyone has 
their own like say personal needs but then you're still educating everybody as a school and i was just wondering sort of how that how that works or whether it is just the fact that because you've got like say two to one or one to one you're able to have enough sort of um interaction and movability within any given separate class Yeah, I definitely think the ratio obviously helps a lot. Um, We are a private school, so we have the ability to staff how we want to staff. So that's been really helpful as far as to have that small student to staff ratio. I think the other thing that really helps make the difference is communication with families. Um, I spend a majority of my day and week on phone calls or video conferences with families, really checking in and and seeing how they're doing as well. And and that's really been the difference, I think. Um, when When you're able to really hear out a parent and hear the concerns that have happened in previous school settings um, and really try to make sure that those negative experiences don't happen again and and really meet the parents' needs as well. I think that's also helpful. Um, so every student has a what's called a team leader, and that team leader is in constant communication with the family um, and checking in with the student as well. So um, if something happens with the student that needs to be communicated to the family, it's communicated right away. Um, and then also the family is able to sort of offer their suggestions, things that work at home, things that don't work at home, and then we're able to really help create a, a cohesive model. So what's happening during the day is not any different than what's happening at home. Or for our boarding students, we have some students who go home on weekends, so their five days at school with us look exactly the same as what their days at home look like. And I really think having that really cohesive model between school and parents is it really makes all the difference. Yeah, and I, I really like that community feeling and the inter- interaction. I mean, my own experience um, of, of, of teaching music especially when it's within a school setting, is the fact that we're often very sort of as visiting professors, as it were, sort of individualised. And so when a, when a new person comes in, we sort of start to get to know them. You start to pick up on certain parts of their personality and the ways they like to learn. And, and bit by bit, you know, you, we adapt so that it becomes personal because it's obviously a one-on-one lesson. But it takes us a little while to get there and it takes a lot of work from my point of view just to kind of do that. And what what would be so helpful is actually to know some of the background, some of the personality traits in advance, some of the skills and the strengths, um, as well as some of the weaknesses and, and it sounds like it's that sort of thing which you just have right out of the gate. And, and that just means they must be very comfortable and actually are able to really um, get going and, and, and enjoy what they're doing and be part of the community from, from almost day one. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the two things that are completed with the parents, like I said before, a student even walks on campus are called the UCC and Izzy. So the UCC is called Underlying Characteristics Checklist. Um, and that goes through a bunch of different domains, social domain, sensory domain, emotional domain, biological domain, um, and really gets helps us to really get to know the student um, in a lot of different ways. And then the other thing that's very different um, that a lot of programs don't necessarily focus on, especially in the autism community are strengths and skills. So the individual, the Izzy, this individual strengths and skills inventory focuses just on the positive. And sometimes that can be a little hard for parents um, because they're not often asked about the positive aspects of their child. They're mostly focused on the challenges. Um, And it's really a neat way for the parents to sort of shift their mindset into the mindset that we have, um, where we really focus on those skills and strengths and try to build on those skills and strengths in order to increase independence for our students. So 
not only are we looking at all the challenges that a student has and how we can really help them through those challenges, but also then looking at the skills and strengths that a student has and how we can build upon those skills and strengths to help with the challenges. So that's that's often really, really helpful for us, like I said, before a student even walks on campus. Yeah, no, I can really understand that. And you, you said it's a relatively new school. What was the, the feeling and, and the reason for setting it up? Was it purely because the kind of experience that you've described to us already just wasn't out there and you and it was felt there was a need for it or is it you said it, you know, because it's international it obviously isn't just because it's that particular location that it's, that it's needed what, what what was the overrounding sort of foundation of its philosophy to get going to begin with yeah, I mean, the philosophy to, to start Triple Oak um, to begin with, like, we're on 127 acres of land. So we have a lot of land, a lot of space for students. Um, oftentimes, we get a lot of students from New York City um, who are in smaller schools, um, don't really have the opportunity to move around or be around animals. So um, just providing students with the space to be able to be who they are. Um, and then also, obviously, the rising numbers of, of children with autism being diagnosed across the world, not just in the United States, um, and really meeting the needs of these students. And and we are aware that students with autism are not just in the tri-state area of the United States. So um, really reaching that international platform it has been helpful as well, because we have students who have come in and come in for an intake, and they've never been in school before, um, because in their country, there's just no opportunities for students on the autism spectrum. So it's, an, it's a neat opportunity to not only meet the needs of students in our country, but also meet the needs of students internationally as well. No, it sounds wonderful. And like you say, with the boarding all set up in, in that amount of space, I mean, it's a, it's a fantastic, fantastic opportunity. Um, you mentioned there about, you know, the numbers of diagnoses and that kind of thing in, increasing all the time. Why do you think that is? Do you think that's um, a, a medical thing in terms of the way we're now going about um, evaluating people? Or do you think there's actually something sort of slightly bigger than, than, than that going on as well? Honestly, I mean, there's so many different theories that that go across and, and some are valid theories and, and some are not valid theories. But I think, you know, lack of resources, I think a lot of times, maybe in the 90s, when students were um, diagnosed as having mental health issues, they might have been on the autism spectrum, and there was just not that knowledge or the amount of resources to know. So it's hard to tell whether the numbers are increasing, or it's just our availability to diagnose is so readily available now um, than it was back then. It's it's really hard to tell. Um, but I, I will say that the number of resources and research and um, programs for students on the autism spectrum is growing astronomically with those numbers increasing. So I think that's really something positive for the autism community. Yeah, absolutely. And for the people listening who are working with children with autism, I mean, they may not have the, the facilities or, or the setup that you have there, but if you've got some some in, important or sort of guiding words of advice that, that, that can help them in terms of, of your previous experience and of course all your training. Yeah, I mean, I think presuming competence is, is the number one thing, um, really just looking at the student in a positive light rather than a negative or challenging light, regardless of what challenges they bring to the table, um, and really looking at those positives in the student and, and, and presuming that they are competent, because more likely than not, they are. Um, that's that's really number one. Like I said before, relationships are, are key, um, forming positive relationships with our students. If you have a positive relationship with a student, 
the the world is your oyster. They can they, they'll really do a lot of things with you when they trust you and and feel as though you're there for them and and then they're really there for you. Um, and then for our students who are nonverbal too, I think one of the main things to really remember is just because a student is nonverbal does not mean they cannot hear you. Um, so really making sure that you're treating them as a person and and are with them and and appreciating and respecting their forms of communication, even though they're different from our forms of communication. Um, I think a lot of times that gets jumbled and and that's not necessarily the case. And it really brings me back to the first thing I said is just presuming competence and making sure that students feel respected. Um, because if they feel respected, that that's they're really there with you. And, and that's really what we want. We just want our students to be happy and successful and independent. And, and if they don't feel as though they're trusted or respected, that's going to be a real barrier to that. So really just making sure that they do feel trusted and respected and are having fun with you. Um, that's really the number one thing. I know there's a lot of talk in the autism communica- uh, community about behavior modification. And I think really um, when we're talking about behavior modification, a lot of what comes from behavior is just negative experiences. And if you can really offer children with positive experiences and positive relationships, you can really see a change in how they interact with you. And and it's a lot of fun to see. It really is. Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> um, and you talked there about, about community and, and of course, actually having real great insights like the sorts of conversation that we're having today is really important. Are there certain either online communities or, or resources that you've used or, or that you've you've come across that you could recommend for anybody? Yeah, I mean, I'm a I'm a big fan of ICDL. Um, it's a lot of information about developmental growth and how students can um, really grow up the developmental ladder. Um, that that's been a big resource for me, definitely moving forward. And I think too, just just really being critical of of what you're reading. Um, there's a lot of research and information about working with students on the autism spectrum, but not everything is necessarily tailored towards each kid. Each kid on the autism spectrum is completely different. Um, so making sure that it's not a one size fits all approach, and really gets getting to know the students and getting to know what. Um, different methods work with each individual student. Because I think if you try to do the same thing with two students, you're going to get two completely different results and it's going to look completely different. And and that's not necessarily it work- the way it works in the autism community. So again, really getting to know that student, I think is paramount. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And, I, and, and uh, <laughs> it's always gone full circle from where we started. It's like, if we could only do that with every child in every school situation, I just think everyone would just flourish in, in such a different way. But that's uh, maybe maybe one day. And, and as you said, you know, at the moment, we're going through a very big change in education just because of the current um, world situation. And actually, maybe it'll actually look different because of the chances to learn online and all those things coming up in the future but I totally agree I think this is a as horrible as things are right now I do think it's a great opportunity to really get to know students on a different level um, and get to know their families on a different level um, and really just focus on things that make them happy because right now you know we have so many students who are missing school we just had a student who's it was his birthday and his he was so upset that he couldn't celebrate his birthday at school um, so it's really been hard for our students and I think too it's a great opportunity for teachers and professionals to really get to know students on a on a different level and be creative with the way that they work with them I'm really so impressed with the whole kind of 
the breadth, if you like, or the whole kind of umbrella of, of everything that you're offering there. Um, but what did you find valuable about your own school experience, whether it happens to be a teacher or an environment or something which sort of gave you this sort of obvious passion for, for learning? Yeah, I think it's very similar to the way that I work as a teacher. Um, the teachers that I respected the most uh, were the teachers that I felt respected me. Um, and that really took the extra time to get to know me and the different ways that I learn. Um, I think if you are teaching a student and they are not learning in a way that you're teaching, you have to change the way that you're teaching. And I think that the teachers I learned the most from were the ones that weren't afraid to adapt their practice or get creative with the way that they were teaching in order to make sure that I access the content to the best of my ability. So that's really something that stuck with me. Um, and it's really something I got to know in my college days from the professors I had in college that really helped drive it home for me when I'm working with my students. And I, I hear that so much that the whole essence of, of relationships and I think you're right it works in terms of teacher to pupil, it works colleague to colleague, it even works sort of in the whole education community I think you sort of you set yourself up don't you in terms of how you want your world to come back at you and and, and I think it's it's a really key key point and what would you tell your younger self now with all your your experience both in terms of, of your post now but also in, in terms of your training and everything as well if you could look back someone sort of starting out in this field what advice would you give them to not take everything so seriously um, have a sense of humor and really each day is so different as a teacher um, and really just meeting the day where it starts some days we have days where at 8am it starts with students having a very hard time. Um, and you don't know that when you're coming in the door. So not really expecting too much of the day, um, taking it as it comes, not taking things too seriously and, and having a sense of humor through it all, I think is is definitely key. Yeah, I absolutely love that. And I think it's very hard to do sometimes in the in the, the traditional systems that we find ourselves. And I think to, ha to have that in your in your mind, especially as you're starting your day, I think it's, it's fantastic advice. I really, really love that. Thank you. So for people who, who want to find out more about the school, more about you, where's the best place for them to go and have a look? Yeah, so they can go to shruboak.org, um, and that will provide a lot of information on the school, uh, working with students on the autism spectrum. Um, and then we also do have a pretty large social media platform. So searching Shrub Oak International School on Facebook, um, or Shrub Oak on Instagram um, are probably the best uh, options to find more information about Shrub Oak International School. Fantastic. Well, Caitlin, thank you so much for chatting to me. It's been, it's really insightful, both in terms of talking about autism, but also I think talking talking about learning generally as you said that child-centered child-first approach I think is something we should all bear in mind and and like you said not taking it too seriously and, and showing up with each day with a fresh start I think is, is is great advice so thank you so much for sharing all that with us oh thank you thank you so much for having me thanks for listening to the education on fire podcast for more information of each episode and to get in touch go to educationonfire.com Education is not the filling of a pail, but the lighting of a fire.